And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Spin Rate presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. Yes, that is correct. This is Spin Rate the Toronto Blue Jays podcast here on The Athletic. My name is Drew Fairservice, and we are talking about your now-suddenly-triumphant Toronto Blue Jays running roughshod over the dreaded and overrated and flash-in-the-pan Boston Red Sox. And I am so excited to be joined, as I am every Sunday, when we record this. By the time you hear this, it will probably be Monday. Every weekend, every week, by the co-host of Spin Rate, you read her covering the Toronto Blue Jays here on The Athletic, Caitlin McGrath. Caitlin, how are you? I'm great. Not as great as the Blue Jays' offense, but good let nonetheless. Me, let me tell you, the Blue Jays' offense is, is fearsome. It was before this weekend began, and now that this weekend is uh, drawing to a close, it remains fearsome. The Red Sox pitching, such as it is, is good eating for the Toronto Blue Jays. Martin Perez, kind of a nightmare matchup if you're a Red Sox fan for the very right-handed, very powerful Toronto Blue Jays. Speaking of powerful, you want to get a powerful deal, you want to go to theathletic.com slash spin rate, sign up for The Athletic. You can read everything Caitlin writes about your mighty and triumphant Toronto Blue Jays. You can read everything that Keith Law writes about the draft. You can read everything that a whole cast of thousands, Chad Finn and others, write about the Mm -hmm. Boston Red Sox and try to put together the pieces of this miserable weekend in which two position players pitched. I had just been thinking like, man, I feel like there's not as many position players pitching this year. Lo and behold... The Red Sox trotted out a couple on their way to getting destroyed, 18 to 4. But anyway, theathletic.com slash spin rate. You know what to do. Go. They give you a nice deal. They let we let us let them know we sent you. Everybody's happy. You can also subscribe to the show wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Now, on to the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, it's hard to find fault. With a weekend that a weekend series that's still ongoing at the time mm-hmm. here of recording, the Blue Jays have already secured a split. Which was when I was thinking about um, how the series went in Chicago, and I thought the Blue Jays, you know, they were headed into Boston. I thought to myself, you know, if I'm the Blue Jays, a series split is pretty good. They've already achieved that, and they've done it in very dominant, overwhelming fashion. They have the chance to go for the, the jugular on Monday. Try to get take three of four from the Red Sox, which is nice in a standings department, not to mention a morale depart, uh, uh, department. But let's start with Friday. Friday mm-hmm. night, which was the game that the Blue Jays did not win, despite getting out to, at one point, a 5-1 to one victory. And I feel like you and I could sit back here, Caitlin, and just push play on a pre- any previous week's episode of Spin Rate for the last six weeks. And we could describe the game on Friday night as we've described so many games before that. The bullpen, shorthanded as it is, injury-stricken, uh, didn't get it done. 
it just never and at no point did it feel like it was a done deal and uh because it was never a done deal a little bit bad defense a little bit of bad pitching a little bit of chat woodery (laughs) chat wood chuckery and uh and there you have it a 6-5 loss uh, are we? Are you getting tired of writing the same game story over and over and over? <laughs> Even though you don't write game stories on theathletic.com, or if you go to theathletic.com slash spin rate, you can read what she does write, not game stories? Yeah, actually, I took Friday night, quote-unquote, off, which meant I wasn't writing, but I still watched the game, and I was still on the pre-game and post-game calls because I had to sort of stay informed on it, but I didn't write Friday night. I sort of wrapped it all in to something that I wrote on Saturday. But to answer, your, just to talk a little bit about Friday, I mean, I don't know if these losses, if that loss was particularly painful or if just seeing the same type of <laughs> unfolding events in these losses just makes each subsequent one more painful. I do think that, you know, Chatwood it was especially sort of like confounding because he had been struggling and then the Blue Jays kind of got him into a couple good opportunities and he did look better. And, you know, I've been on a lot of post-game calls with Charlie uh, back in when we had um, in-person availabilities. I've been around him and every Blue Jays fan knows that he is almost – always an eternal optimist. He always is looking on the bright side. It's very rare for him to um, really sound like disappointed or, or sound at a loss or not really be able to come up with something sort of like positive to say. And I will say on Friday night, he wasn't like, you know, angry. He wasn't like, uh, despondent. you know, he, he was despondent. Like it was more like just or despondent or like just kind of at a loss of what to say or like because it was just very confusing and I don't entirely blame him for at least being confused as to how that could happen with Chatwood because they had seen some progress he's still throwing the ball quite hard he just can't locate it at all and that is really what set that game back I mean I don't I think he came out of the game after three hitters and it was like hit batter walk hit batter or something and um the the lead had shrunk and then i it was um uh carl edwards junior i think that gave up the winning run but you, i mean it was a tough spot for the bullpen i think everybody was um you know disappointed with the result um but it was just it was just you know is it I, it's hard to even kind of describe what was happening or like it, you know it's um it was really kind of confusing and confounding. It was hard to write about. And I was honestly texting with somebody and they were watching the game too. And I was almost like predicting like, okay, this is when they're going to like load the bases with a walk. And this is, this. and then it happened. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's crazy how it's following the same sort of predictable script. And I think you have to like feel for Tyler Chatwood. Cause obviously like it must be really tough on him to, be not having any consistency and to see him get off to such a good start. Um, I don't blame the Blue Jays for saying like they need him because a team does need a guy that you can go to like in the seventh inning or in the eighth inning that can just like get you to your closer or get you to your eighth inning guide who gets you to your closer. And with the Blue Jays losing to David Phelps, which we talked about 
um, before. And obviously all the other bullpen injuries, like a Ryan Barucki's a guy, Julian Merriweather, um, small sample size, but potentially he could be a guy. And so they kind of do need a Chatwood in that spot and it's just not working out. And I would say they need a Chatwood because they don't have anybody else. Like Carl mm-hmm. Devers Jr. is not solving any problems. Anthony Castro has been a nice story, yeah. but they don't have anybody else who isn't Jordan Romano right now. Uh, Dolis is the I, I, again. I've called him the the worst good pitcher around because <laughs> his numbers are usually fine, but at times it is it is. Ag- it's agonizing at the best of times to watch him because he works so slow and he seems to run up the count a lot. And then uh, other times he just is, seems to be truly ineffective, even though his numbers don't necessarily reflect it. But it's just he is duff- difficult to watch. Uh, and and it uh, you know he didn't. I don't think that I would say that he pitched particularly badly on 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 Friday night. But they need they need Chapman because they need somebody. And I know that there were a lot of folks uh, uh, on the weekend who were saying, you know, Scott MacArthur of, of Sportsnet, he was saying something like, the front office owes it to the team, the young core, to, to improve the bullpen. And I know that I saw Mike Wilner, for example, talking about, like, they right now, John Axford and David Robertson are pitching in that Olympic tournament, and the Blue Jays could sign them both and have them in Toronto, you know, when, when that tournament's over or some, probably before, if they mm-hmm. threw some big league money at them. Those guys would be there. Like they need more than what they've got, and I don't know that John Axford and David Robertson, for example, are the answer. But not doing anything is not the answer either. And I think when I think about Friday, too, Friday could have been. Friday felt like even more frustrating because the Blue Jays built that big lead five one, but it felt like it could have been like ten because oh, yeah. they were lighting up Garrett Richards, which was, as it turns out, a bit of an omen for what was to come over the weekend as the Blue Jays. Uh, obviously swung the bats really well. But whether or not they destroyed the Red Sox on Sunday and, and beat them pretty handily on Saturday, I'm sure there was still a little bit of like, uh, I know there were nerves on Saturday, even though the Blue Jays had a big lead, um, because you never God only knows what's going to happen, who's going to come wandering out of the bullpen and, what they're, and how effective they're going to be. But we shouldn't let it be a bummer. We'll get the bummer part across, out of the way. Let's talk about all the good things that happened this weekend. Instead, can we just do one more thing on the Friday night game? Of course we can. I just pulled it up because this was the one of the stats that was so weird about Friday. And it's Chris Black from Sportsnet, producer of um, Jay's games. And he tweeted this and it was um, I think the Blue Jays had 25 plus hard hit balls in a single game in the stat cast era. So they had more than 25 balls that were hit above 95 miles an hour. And that's happened four times. When the Red Sox did it, they won 22 to 10. Hmm. When the Nationals did it, they won 25 to 4. When the Giants did it, they won 23 to 5. When the Blue Jays did it, they lost 6-5. <laughs> that's crazy. I wondered that because I was looking at the box score on on uh, stat, on Baseball Savant. And Baseball Savant has... The, the pitcher's line 
Garrett Richards has five and a third inning or five and a third innings pitched. This is eleven hits, four runs, four earned, two walks, three strikeouts, no home runs, hundred pitches, ERA pitch types little pie graph and then it says hard hit and it looks like a teen was 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 texting because it's like 15 little flames in a row which is how they <laughs> denote each hard hit ball and because they were truly teeing off but they, they weren't really able to um to put them away they didn't hit any home runs against against uh against richards uh on friday night of course uh of live Guerrero jr did get his customary home run uh, you know, as as is tradition, uh, every yeah. the, the, the sun comes up, Vladdy goes deep. Uh, but they just they, they it could have been an even more frustrating weekend if the onslaught of offense that that followed didn't come. When of course the Blue Jays hit first five home runs on Saturday, yes, and then on Sunday they hit. Eight fucking home runs, which I used a, an expletive there because that's a lot of goddamn home runs. Not the most ever. The Blue Jays, many folks will remember, the Blue Jays hit 10 home runs in a game, I think, at least once. Definitely once in 1987, which is a kind of a f- famous day. Not just because it was on my birthday. <laughs> a number of which that is attached that is not for public consumption. But not that it matters. I'm old as fuck. Everybody knows that. That's two expletives. We'll be right back with more spin rate. But first, check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know who I feel bad for in all this? I saw it at the end. I feel bad for Rowdy Telez. Why? Rowdy Telez is having a terrible, terrible season. Yeah. By all accounts. He is going to lose his job when George Springer comes back. I don't think that that, I don't think I'm telling tales at a school when it's like the odd man out figures to be Rowdy Telez. Rowdy Tellez is having a really hard luck season as well. If you look at his stat cast and you look at his expected numbers, while not eye-popping, they are streets ahead of where he is right now. So he's having a hard luck season, and then Rowdy Tellez comes up and he hits a home run, except he hits it off of infielder Christian Arroyo <laughs> in the ninth inning of a 15-4 to ball game, which is to say that he'll get no credit for that because he doesn't really deserve it. But like, man, the guy can't win for losing. So <laughs> of all, if I'm to find a, a, black, a, 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 a black lining on this silver cloud, it would be poor, poor Rowdy Tellez. What about you, he, Caitlin? He, what, he had what's especially your... hard luck on that Friday game. I think he hit like all his hits were over 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And then he hit one into the triangle. That would, I think uh, Reese McGuire hit one into the triangle. That would have been a home run in like two, a dozen different ballparks. Where Riley Adams did that on today, on Sunday. Oh, no, sorry. That's right. It was Riley Adams. Yeah. Poor guy. 
Yeah. Poor guy. I was um, right. The right position behind the plate. Yeah, catcher, yeah the but, other catcher. Uh, but really, like, amazing. An amazing offensive weekend where on a very good offensive team had ever, all the chips fell in their favor. Nick Pavetta is having a nice season. Not a good matchup for the Toronto Blue Jays. Nick Pavetta against Vladimir Guerrero Jr., maybe not fair. Maybe uh, a crime against all the things that are good in Canadian, quite frankly. Uh, and then the rest of them, just uh, everybody had a tra- Kevin Biggio, we haven't even talked about it, came back off the DL, uh, excuse me, injured list, had a great weekend, especially for Kevin Biggio. It was a great weekend. Want to hear a fun stat? I do. I, so on the Saturday game, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, and Kevin Biggio all homered for the first mm-hmm. time in the same game as major leaguers. Mm-hmm. First time that has occurred since they've all been up uh, since 2019. On Sunday, they all did it again. <laughs> and, and I believe if I could add to your fun fact. Yes. On Sunday, am I right? Am I wrong? I believe that Lourdes Gurriel Jr. hit a home run as well. He did. Pretty so much everyone hit a home run on Sunday. All four you know, uh, legacy junior guys, because of course, Lucas Gurriel Sr., it's a legendary ball player in Cuba. So mm-hmm. everything's coming up, the large sons. A great weekend for offense. We don't even need to, like, we don't need to talk about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We should probably talk, actually, about Bo Bichette. The reason to talk about Bo Bichette, you heard us off the top, talk about the Tops Project 70. We talked. You've heard in, when you listen to the ad reads, if you listen to this a podcast outside of the athletic in, uh, ecosystem. You've heard the the Top Project Seventy uh, ads where we talk about this crazy set of cards that's being produced by artists of all kinds. Uh, so this week, actually, Bo Bichette's Project Seventy card dropped, created by uh, artist Matt Taylor, who you can find on Twitter at Matt Taylor Draws, and you can check out the Bo Bichette card, and it looks pretty sweet if you're into cards and like. Bo's flow, which is like the vibe coming off this card in a big, big way. Mm-hmm. But Bo Bichette had an insane week, and in particular, which is kind of quietly brought his numbers up to be pretty damn good again. Mm-hmm. He's just such an up and down guy. But like we, you wake up, he wakes up, he wakes up Monday morning, and he's got a one twenty four weighted runs created plus. He's hitting two eighty. He's got thirteen yeah. home runs. Like. Yeah. He's having an, a really good year. If this is who he is, again, you, if you had to choose, you would maybe wish him to draw a couple more walks or maybe strike out a little bit less. But like at the end of the day, like a 125 weighted run rated plus, 25% above league average as a shortstop whose defense is, again, speaking of quietly, we're not really talking about it as much as we were at the beginning of the season. You're looking at a good player. You're looking at a good player having a good season. Yeah, and uh, I think it was sad. Was it Saturday that he hit that bomb? It was like four hundred sixty-eight feet, which I think was this. I think it's well, it is the second longest home run this year by a Blue Jay. The longest was hit by a guy named George Springer. He only played for the team briefly. Um, mm, a bit but, of flash in the pan. Had, had a cup of coffee with the Blue Jays. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, no, it's um, that's the thing with Bo, and you know, it was a couple weeks ago that he told us that he wasn't quite feeling comfortable, and then um, you know, he was talking about how. He was maybe in his younger time, in his younger years, feeling uncomfortable to play. It would be distracting for him. But he said he was really proud of himself for 
not letting the fact that he was feeling uncomfortable in the box impact him in the box. So he's really good at sort of separating the two. And it was funny the other, the couple of weeks ago, or maybe a week or so ago, when Bo was just, just kind of getting a little bit hot. We talked to him after a game and the fact that we talked to him after the game, it must've been a, a big game for him. It might've actually been the Blue Jays like comeback win a couple of weeks ago uh, in Buffalo against Miami. And Bo had a big night that t- uh, night, obviously. And uh, one of the reporters asked Bo something along the lines of, yeah, you said you were uncomfortable and, um, you know, it looks like you're kind of coming along. And and when you do hit that stride, like when you do get really hot, like, are, are we going to be able to tell? And Bo just like kind of smiled and was like, I hope so. <laughs> and so, you know, Bo is like, he's always got this like quiet confidence about him. He's actually not like a a loud guy in the clubhouse. I haven't been around him in a long time in the clubhouse, but when I was around him, so, you know, he may have, you know, he's a little older now. Maybe he is a bit more um, outspoken, but typically like he's a type of guy that's more of that quiet leader. He's, he doesn't tend to speak up much in the clubhouse and he kind of just keeps to himself. Um, But he's also got that real like self-assuredness in his own abilities. Um, he's really okay with the player that he is. He he sort of really embraces the fact that he's an aggressive hitter. And, you know, I would agree with you that I think that probably as he gets older, more mature in the league, maybe you do want to him to see him get to uh, or not fall behind so quickly and, and, mm-hmm. and walk a little bit more. But you, you have to admit that what he does with hitting with two strikes um, – that is such a skill that he has. It is so unique to him. Um, and if he's going to be a player that's going to be a little bit hot and cold sometimes, or and you know what, I would say that even his cold streaks aren't really that cold. He can be a little bit streaky, but I don't feel like he's ever up there looking completely lost. You know, like it looks like he'll, he'll always get a few knocks every now and then. Right. What, what I would say is, uh, to his credit and to your credit for doing the heavy lifting here for me, is that you use the word great strides. And we've, you and I talked about a lot. Uh, there was the joke going around on Twitter. I can't remember somebody tweeted it at Stoughton calling him Bowen too, uh, just because it's like that was just how he was for when he, when he, when he was probably talking to you and the, and the assembled reporters about his lack of comfort. Uh, he was Owen two, I swear, every, every plate appearance. But I, re- and uh, it was on, it might have been with you or it might have been in another, in, on the, another one of the, of the shows where I said he, and I also tweeted about it, that he need, I felt like he needs to go to that two strike approach a little bit sooner mm-hmm. because he's getting himself into these holes. Like he, he is a terrific first pitch hitter among the best in the league and he is really good with two strikes, but it's, you know, being a big leaguer is all about adjustments. But I did notice in the game against Chicago on, what, what day was that? Wednesday. He made a really terrific adjustment. He was in there facing mm-hmm. Aaron Bummer, who uh, throws really hard, just really work in the bottom of the zone, big, I think he's left-handed, I believe he's left-handed, just a big monster. And Bichette went up, first pitch. He was aggressive in the first pitch as he was, but he had lost his, he, he took reined in his giant stride doesn't didn't didn't take that massive step and like you know just huge swing he was a bit smaller a lot more quiet at the plate on that first pitch so he was still aggressive but he made an adjustment and he hit the ball the other way on the ground on the ground for a base hit it was like a it was a nice adjustment because he knows he's in there the guy's throwing hard he's working that ball at the bottom of the zone and i think he went up there with a plan and and he executed really well so to me that's a really good sign and on top of that he did walk today here on mm-hmm. sunday so like everything's coming up Bichette at this point, but, but, you know, 
he's an, he's a great, he can hit. Like there's no disputing that. There are improvements that he can make that he may or may not be in the middle of making. Again, he's showing these different looks. He's showing that he can have a plan and be like a cerebral thinking player and a, uh, the kind of player that can make an adjustment. And that's so valuable. Whether or not, again, whether or not he's a short, shortstop long, long term, um, we, we, you know, the jury's a little bit out. We aren't talking about it like we were. He's not kicking it around like he was. I think he had a, I think he may have had a misplay on Friday night, um, in particular at the, at the end of the game. I don't remember offhand, but it was, uh, kind of a offline throw and it was made worse by the fact that they defensively switched Lourdes Gurriel Jr. to first base and he hasn't played first base in I don't know how long. So it was mm. like a bad so, sort of like, I don't know, it was an offline throw, but you never know if Vlad had or, or Rowdy had been playing there. Maybe the balls crowd a little bit more. Gold glove first baseman and MVP runner-up Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is uh, He makes that play. He makes that play all day. But anyway, check out that Bo Bichette card. And really, uh, keep your eye on, on Bichette. Again, having a monster weekend against the Red Sox. Still has an opportunity to do some more damage there at Fenway. A ballpark that is... Well, I mean, I, it, the way he was swinging it, that, the one that he hit that cleared, went straight out uh, out of the ballpark into the into the Boston Street. streets. Yeah. Hmm? Yaki into way. the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it still He's called that? The- That's racist, that shit. Uh, I don't know. I haven't been to Boston in a while. Mm. Um... <laughs> He did that again. He did that earlier this year. And I just want to add to the bow conversation before we um, put a close on it. It's just the power this year has maybe not surprised me, but um, I didn't know that I knew that he had this amount of power in him. And I think it was you that talked about earlier that maybe he was getting the benefit of the Dunedin ballpark a little bit. And yeah, I don't, uh, I mean, he's probably hit some out in Buffalo too, but the power that he's shown in some of these home runs, as you say, is like, it's going out in every park. And so that's another, um, another sort of like a step forward for him this year is like showing, showing a lot of power. I would say that that my comment that you've referenced was in, was in was talking about his power to the right center to right center field, where he definitely was taking advantage of like the bit of the kind of jet stream sucking balls out into that little pavilion. But the the pull power, which to your which I think I would agree with that I don't think anybody, myself included, thought he had this kind of pull power that he's mm-hmm. showing or he's in there against some of these Red Sox scrubs and just like selling out and hit excuse me selling out and hitting it a mile. A mile and like just leaning back and like get letting the head get out. I mean, again, if you look, he, he's a, he's a really good offensive player. If you look at his stat cast stuff. So if we want to take the ballpark part piece right out of it, you know, he's 96th percentile for maximum excellent, uh, exit velocity, 91st percentile for hard, for hard hit rate, 76th percentile for, for average exit velocity, 66th percentile for expected weighted on base, 80th percentile for barrel percentage, 77th percentile for expected slugging. And he's a, he's a really, uh, a fast runner. Like that's a really good offensive player. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, a, that's an offensive player that can play anywhere in the diamond. Which, if you go down to his defensive numbers, might suggest he might play somewhere else in the diamond at one point or another. But we don't need to talk about that. I'm glad we got to talk about Bo Bichette. Do we want to talk about George Springer? Is there what's there to say about George Springer that hasn't been said in a thousand vague messages transcribed by folks on Zoom calls? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'll just I'll just <laughs> sound like Charlie here if I'm like, well, he's got to be closer to it. I mean, he's closer to his rehab outings than he is to being injured. Um, I do think I think it was on a call the other day that 
someone referenced the Trenton Buffalo Bison schedule that they are in Rochester this week, I believe. And with the Blue Jays going back to Buffalo for Tuesday, it would sort of make sense for George Springer to then go over to Rochester. It's not too far away, do his rehab outings. And then you maybe let George Springer uh, debut at a little bit of a easy ease him into it against the Orioles. Maybe I don't know. Get him a nice weekend there against the Orioles and Buffalo. God only knows, but he's going to be on a rehab assignment at, at this rate. And the rate that the information about George Springer and the little teasers and taunts and spoilers <laughs> have been coming out. He's going to be on a rehab, whatever the maximum rehab assignment, that's how long he's going to be out there. Uh, I think we'll wait until the Blue Jays are back in Toronto. We want to get George in our Toronto facility. <laughs> we want to get him access to the Canadian healthcare, And we just want to be safe. Better safe than sorry. But uh, it'll be great when they get him back. Again, the, the way the offense is going, this weekend is, was obviously 13 home runs in two games, 14 home runs in three games, four, 13 home runs in two games, mm-hmm. is a bit of an outlier. But we're talking about the second or third best offense in all of baseball? Are we not? Yeah, yeah pretty much. I mean, I think it's the Astros and then it's the Blue Jays, depending on what you want to look up, uh, whatever statistic. But OPS, I think it's the Astros and the Blue Jays. Maybe? It is the Astros. If you use weighted runs created plus, it's the Astros and then the White Sox and the Dodgers and the Blue Jays. And the Astros are like a significantly ahead of, of those other two teams, but the Blue Jays can swing it with anybody. This is this, the, 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 the good thing and the bad thing about where we are right now here in mid, mid June is the Blue Jays are almost exactly as advertised. They've been exactly as advertised without George Springer. Adding George Springer, the unfortunate thing is adding George Springer isn't going to change much other than it might give them that kind of exponential push of their offense to make it so that it doesn't matter how bad their relievers are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that it's just like, well, everyone can, we can always figure a way to, to manage a 13 to 4 lead. But, yeah. but that, I think that's the problem, the, the, not the problem. I think that's, that's, that's a good thing that so many of the things that if, if, if you, we were, when you and I were sitting here in February and March and saying like, this is what the Blue Jays need. They need Vlad and Bo to take steps forward. And I think they've done that, mm-hmm. right? Well, well, Bo, Bo Bichette has taken a step forward and that he's been on the field every day, uh, more or less. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has taken a step forward, but uh, to the moon, yeah. where now he is the, the <laughs> to almost. The hmm? best, to being the best hitter in baseball? To being like a, like a, not even just like the best hitter in baseball, but like he's on like a, a level now that, that nobody reaches, I think, is that like for him to have sustained, he's got an OPS into like over 1100, right? Like this is like Jose Bautista 2011 kind of shit. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's a little bit different. Like the way that he does it, Bautista walked like 22% of the time through that, through that run. Uh, and he hit an absurd amount of home runs, but like. Vladimir Guerrero looks like Miguel Cabrera, right? He looks mm-hmm. like a like the, like the Miguel Cabrera who won the Triple Crown. I've had I have Yankee fans and and Red Sox fans who have said stuff like, watching Vlad the, when the Yankees when the Blue Jays were in New York, they were like, so he's like Vlad Senior, but with plate discipline, mm-hmm. like it's ridiculous. So he's accomplished taking a step forward. I think even if the season stopped today, he still be he'd still be fine. Uh, yeah, I, I remember writing like 
early on in the season. I don't know that I wrote this, but I definitely tweeted it. And it was like, even if the Blue Jays don't make the playoffs, it will be disappointing. But if Vlad has a, a good season, takes steps forward, like that'll be a positive for the Blue Jays. And that was like in April when he was like just starting. And like now I just, this is, no matter what happens, like this is an incredible season for Vlad. I, it doesn't look like he's slowing down. But I just think overall, like if the Blue Jays are seeing a player who looks like he's going to grow into a perennial MVP candidate, that is a huge positive development for the team. Yes, of course, you still want to make the playoffs. You still want to take advantage of this AL East that's like competitive, but also like somewhat um, you're, you're in the mix and the Yankees look like kind of a mess and the Red Sox could like, you know, like you said to uh, begin, they could start to falter and, you know, they were that kind of team. The Rays are probably going to be good, but anyway, but I just think like the way Vlad's playing, it's, it's a great season for the Blue Jays. Me, the guy who writes a newsletter about Vlad, if you wanted to follow that, if you don't already, you can go to fairservice.substack.com, sign up for free. And it's updated at least once a week, sometimes more. Depends on what he does and depends on, you know, if the spirit moves me or not. Mostly it depends on how tired I am because I'm really tired a lot when it comes to like sitting down and typing. But, you know, I compared him to his peers and, and was like, he needs to get to this level. And, and, you know, if you look at Juan Soto and you look at Ronald Acuna Jr. and you look at even like Fernando Tatis Jr., like, those are the guys that he has aspired to be. And those are, that's the level that he needed to be at. And he's gotten there and surpassed it, right? Like, like Juan Soto did this last year for 60 games. Yeah. And Juan Soto had a great season in 2019, but it wasn't this. Because not a lot of players are able to do what he's doing right now. Right. And not a lot of, you know, players have good weeks. Players have, a, like the worst player can have a good week. Uh, you know, a, a player who's a marginal big leaguer can, can run into a few fastballs for a while, but they... To even do it here into June is, I mean, it's this is rare air. Like this is what was promised, and the pro and the thing is, if you look at it, you watch him completely control the strike zone. You watch him punish mistakes. You watch him have a plan. You watch him like the home run he hit today on Sunday over the bullpen in right center field <laughs> at Fenway. They were Park all ducking. Is absurd. <laughs> That's absurd. You who does that? Who does that? Nobody. Not left-handed, not right-handed batters. Like Manny Ramirez played there for however long. He's as good a right-handed hitter as you'll ever see. How many times do you think Manny Ramirez, Manny Ramirez hit it the opposite way? Over the bullpen, into the seats in right center field in Fenway Park. I would love to know. I can go check, but I'm not going <laughs> to. If, if, like, if Vlad played in that ballpark, I think you could say that 400 is in play. I, I tweeted about this as a joke, but like he'd never get out. He would never get out. <laughs> Because if, if he can do that, if he can hit the ball over the bullpen in right center field and he can hit balls through and over the green monster, he would never get out. Mm -hmm. It would be absurd to think about. And I don't want to think about it because I don't think that I like the idea of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. playing any home games for the Boston Red Sox. So let's not put that evil out into the world anymore. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash 
or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is meme mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight? Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's reflect on what was a great weekend, uh, uh, definitely a nice way to recover after that tough season, series in Chicago where they kind of matched up against the White Sox and saw maybe the places that they were lacking a little bit. Uh, again, Friday night sort of highlighted some of those deficiencies again, but Saturday and Sunday showed the strengths, which I think mm-hmm. is, a, is, a, is a good reflection of where the Blue Jays are. They have a lot of strengths. they got a lot of things going for them. There are a lot of teams that would kill to be where the – excuse me – a lot of teams that would kill to be where the Blue Jays are right now in 2021, but there's still a little bit, little ways to go, and there's hope on the way. Nate Pearson's throwing pretty well. Thomas mm-hmm. Hatch is throwing well, and then they just got to make some moves and get some guys healthy. And that this is a team that can compete. I really think that because who are the, the again? If Chicago is the second best team in the American League, the Blue Jays can play with them every day, any day. You know, another three-game series, and and the Blue Jays easily win two of those three games, I think. No sweat, right? Sure. (laughs) And, (laughs) uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that the the bullpen will be something to watch here. And and just to reference something that we talked about, like, earlier, um, you know, you were saying that the Blue Jays front office owe it to these young players to get better. I was quoting Scott MacArthur, the great Scott MacArthur. Sorry. Okay. Um, But I will say that I agree. Like, I wrote something on Saturday over the weekend that just basically talked about how Vlad is having a special season, and that special season will be better to watch if the Blue Jays stay in contention throughout it, Um, which is kind of counterproductive to what I was saying a few minutes ago, where I was saying, it doesn't really matter what happens to Blue Jays. It's a great season because of Vlad. But but, but my point being that if you could have both, you'd rather both, right? And, you know, I did sort of think about, well, what what are the options the front office has here? Because we're in mid-June and it's not impossible to make trades in mid-June. We actually saw the Rays make a trade last month for two relievers with the Brewers. Um, But it doesn't happen very often. And the thing with the Blue Jays is that their weakness is so apparent that teams know they need relievers and they're not really going to be in a great leverage spot. You know, they may have to, as sellers will have the leverages in this situation, the Blue Jays may have to overpay. And I was actually like, um, my colleague, like Eric Kareen, very passionate Blue Jays fan. And he went on this little Twitter um, thread on, I think it was Saturday morning. And, 
you know, he kind of said the same things as you were saying, other like Scott MacArthur is like the, the Blue Jays owe it to the the team to um, go out and get relievers. And do you then, as as a front office, just sort of th- say, well, let's get some relievers and maybe let's lose some trades here. Like it doesn't matter if down the road we look at this trade and it's not a great trade. This prospect that we gave to this team ends up being a pretty good prospect, but in the near term that you got a reliever, you, I don't know, traded for Kendall Graveman from the Seattle or like Daniel Hudson from uh, Washington Nationals. Although I think he just went on the IL, but I don't think it's serious. But, you know, like, do you make a trade, lose that trade maybe, um, just to fix the bullpen now? Do you think the offense can stay hot enough that they can continue to put up 18 runs and, um, give your bullpen a really nice cushion so that you can have um, Trent Thornton just go and stretch himself out there and throw two innings. Um, I don't know. I don't know what you can do. I think the Blue Jays have to consider getting help. I just don't know how easy it is. Trades just don't happen overnight. Well, I mean, sometimes they happen overnight, but I mean. <laughs> <laughs> they don't happen in a vacuum. Yes. They don't happen in a vacuum, and you need another team that's willing to deal, another team that's willing to say that our future is more uh, important to us than our present. And while that me- that leads to a lot of kind of uh, grave digging when you're looking at, like, who do the Tigers have that's worth a good, that's worth a damn? Uh, I think you mentioned, was it Daniel Cabrera you said that uh, went on the in the... Daniel Hudson, former Blue Jays. Daniel Hudson went on the injured list. Uh, Ian Kennedy went on the injured list Mm -hmm. as well uh, this week. Another kind of potential potential uh, trade match. Here's a name for you that I've just. I mean, I'm definitely not the first to have done this because I know that a lot of people spend a lot of time kind of scouring, looking for for who they can acquire. How about Andrew Miller? Andrew Miller is a free agent at the end of the season. St. Louis Cardinals are currently in fourth place in their division, which they're only a couple games below 500, but that's a bit of an uphill climb in the National League, especially considering the, the wild cards almost for sure to come out of the, the National League West at this stage. Yeah. Maybe Andrew Miller. Yeah. Uh, Blue Jays fans will be remembered from when he uh, sucked the soul clean out of the 2016 Blue Jays <laughs> like there was nothing there. And it was as impressive as a uh, time I can remember anybody pitching that entire Cleveland bullpen, Cleveland, everything that series was just suffocating, but Andrew Miller, a great when he's on and uh, he's not the same guy he used to be uh, where he was the best reliever in baseball for a couple of years, but that's a name because I know it and I like him more than Kendall Graverman. That's my name. Now I've decided I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tweet this as we are recording here. That the Blue Jays need to go out and record. I, I made a I made a list last week, or I wrote a post. I didn't feature him. I think because probably, um, I assumed that the Cardinals wouldn't quite mm-hmm. be labeled sellers yet. Although I also saw another list today. Um, MLB.com did one where it was like Craig Kimball was on that. And that's interesting too, because the Cubs are, I think in first place in the central right Mm -hmm. now. Um, but they're also a team that like, looks like they might be sort of like ending an era with some of their guys that are like Chris Bryant's a free agent. I think there's a few other guys that could be, um, departing and they're in a unique spot in that they could be like, they could be like a team that kind of does both. Um, depending mm-hmm. on like what, where they have like surplus, I think their actually bullpen is pretty good. Um, so I don't know if they have like 
room to spare or if they could kind of be be like the rays and and both sell and buy um sorry for the rays reference i know you hate it um (laughs) (laughs) but but yeah like that's a name too i mean i don't know what uh kimberl would cost but um and i don't know if the cubs would sell him but you know there there will be interesting names the thing with relievers is that every good team needs could use more relievers so it's a it's not it's not a it's a thing that you can trade for because there's probably a lot out there but every team wants one the the cubs are an interesting question uh an interesting it's 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 fun to think about let's let's put it this way it's fun to imagine that everybody gets to operate like the rays they operate outside of the real world they don't have to do the things that real teams do but the Cubs are, in fact, a real-ass team. The Cubs are a team that is, has an insanely passionate fan base for a long time. The Cubs right now have a core that won the World Series, the first World Series, in 108 years. That Cubs, the core of that team is still in place. The core of that team, as you mentioned, is many of them are at or near free agency. So while we can say in a vacuum, like the Rays, be like the Rays and like do something funky and trade Craig Kimbrell, even though you're in a half a game out of first place. How do you, as a team with fans and people who are paying attention and give a shit, <laughs> say to your fans, this is the last go with this group. We know Chris Bryant's not coming back. There's a chance that Anthony, Anthony Rizzo's not coming back. Javi Baez is almost for sure not coming back. All these guys are going, Kyle Hendricks, I'm not exactly sure of his contract status off the top of my head. And all these guys are going to go, and we're going to make the team worse today while they're a half game out of first place. They would be in, in the streets with pitchforks and, <laughs> and, 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 and torches because that's how real teams operate. Those are the pressures that real teams are under. The Rays can do whatever the fuck they want because nobody cares, and they have no expectation. So I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean to like – I'm not – my, I, I'm mad now, but I'm not mad at you. But I'm, I, but this, this, it's. We love to talk about that, and I think that I don't think it's a bad idea. But I really don't like the Rays, and but this is, I think, a really good example why. Because the, if you're the GM, if you're Jed Hoyer, you can't do that. I don't think you can't say you can't say our team is in ha- is, is is half a game out of first place, and we just traded the closer who ha- who's having a great season, number one, and who's number two, like shortlist best relievers of all time. And we traded him because we wanted to get like half a degree too cute. So I think that would be swell if the Blue Jays got Craig Kimbrell. Don't get me wrong. I'm <laughs> sign, sign him up. I'm I'm all for that. The the, Red, the Cubs are going to need all kinds of players. They're going to need a third baseman. Here's Jordan fucking Groshans. Off you go. But I don't think that's going to happen, unfortunately. So maybe what we need is maybe another few weeks to see who's kind of starting to fall apart. Hey, well, maybe maybe the Red Sox. You know, the Red Sox are falling apart of the seams. Maybe Brandon Workman wants to come and no, Matt Barnes. Sorry, the other one. Matt, yeah, Brandon Matt Workman. Barnes. No, Matt Barnes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that would be that'd be something. An in division trade. Hey, the Red Sox traded for Adam Adovino, and he's good now, <laughs> which is making Yankees fans pull their hair out, <laughs> which we always love to see. But I think Andrew Miller is the one that I've decided is going to happen, and I have already, of course, tweeted about it. So we'll see what the folks are saying. Nothing yet. Okay. Caitlin. What have you got for the people this week? I don't know. We'll wait and see. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't, I have a lot coming up, but uh, 
something to prepare for Springer's potential return. Um, oh, I have a special, people will know that I'm working on this because I put a call out. Um, gosh, it's been a busy weekend. So I'm just trying to think, mm-hmm. um, but I put a call out for people to send me their, um, like Roger center memories or what they miss most about going to blue Jays games. So if you are listening and you want to email me, um, a little blurb about what you miss about going to blue Jays games, I've heard from lots of people who have lots of great stories. A lot of people are telling me they, you know, miss going on mother's day cause it was their tradition or they miss going on father's day cause it was their tradition. Or, you know, there's people that had family reunions every year at a blue Jays game. Um, there's people who have taken their kids there and, um, you know, their kids have fallen in love with baseball and that's, um, a way that they bond. And so everyone's been sending me great stories. So if you have one, feel free to email me. There's a tweet up on my page. Um, but it's McGrath at theathletic.com is my email. So if you want to email me like, you know, 50, a hundred words, um, you should pin that post on pin that tweet on your Twitter account. I should. I just, as I was saying that I was thinking, did I pin it? And I didn't. Um, but I will, I will go back and do that. I was going to, I was going to resurface it, um, on Monday just to let everyone else who didn't see it last week, send it to me. Cause this story will be coming out, um, later in the week. So we have that to look forward to. Mm-hmm. That's um, really fun. That's a fun yeah. story. What do you miss yeah. with the Roger center oh, other than going gosh. to work and talking to players? Um, that's a really good question. And I've actually tried to, I've been trying to think about it because, um, I was, you know, got to write this piece and probably need to put my own little memory in there. You know, there's a nice, like, there's nice times where there's, it's before the game starts. And there was actually a thing that the Blue Jays were doing on, I can't remember what day of the week it was. I want to say it was Thursdays, might've been Fridays, but they would have like live music and it was that band. What are they called? Like, Dwayne Gretzky, I think they're like mm, a cover they do band. Like funky, weird covers and stuff. Yes. Yeah. And so there, there were some games where like they were, you know, July or August and not much was going on. It was that slow part of the season. And of course, this was 2019. So the Blue Jays were not a competitive team back then. They were really rebuilding. And, you know, there was times where like I'm just working away at the press box. It's kind of quiet and you just listen to live music and it's just a nice night out. I mean, it's, it's work. So I'm busy, mm-hmm. but it's also kind of enjoyable. And so I do miss like, those kinds of nights where as much as I'm at work, I get to work in the middle of the city, um, beautiful view of the CN tower, listening to live music. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, uh, kind of a nice way to spend a night. And I think I just missed that. Like I just missed those. Those were so ordinary for me. Like it wasn't even, I took it for granted probably. Um, but that was just like, any weeknight for me. And so I do appreciate hearing people's stories about how going to a Blue Jays game was such an event for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know what's and, funny, yeah. if I may? Mm-hmm. I, I apologize if I am. I, I owe you an apology for interrupting you here, and I owe you an apology for it's interrupting It's okay. I was, I was blabbing at that point, so it's good you stepped in. I don't want to interrupt you, and I, I, I know that I interrupted you too much last week in particular. So if you listened oh, to last you, week and you did felt Did you listen like, back? No, somebody mentioned it to me. They were like, you oh. interrupted Caitlin too many, like a lot this week. And I was like... I know. I felt it when I, we were recording. I was like, what are you doing? Stop interrupting. But it happened more than once. So I apologize because that's not how this is supposed I to work. I don't even notice. That's because I'm a jerk. Not, mm-hmm. So you expect me to do jerky shit. Nonetheless, I have two things. Uh, I miss, so when I would go to the Roger Center and work, I, I, didn't, I didn't have a beat. I didn't go every, every day. I wasn't there every day. So for me, especially because I 
the path I took to getting there was I never expected my entire life to be standing in the middle of the Blue Jays clubhouse, or I never expected the middle of, in, in my entire life to be standing at Miguel Cabrera's locker or Clayton Kershaw's locker or Tim Lincecum's locker. And all those things happened. And every single time it felt like I was getting away with something. I would be sitting, you know how, you know how it is when you're, when you're sitting in the Blue Jays dugout, you're sitting mm-hmm. uh, in, in the dugout and they're doing BP and you're ta- talking with your colleagues, with, with people that you know and respect. Every single time I was like, how the fuck are they not dragging me out of here by my <laughs> collar? Because I loved it every single time, every single time. But the other, so I missed that. I missed just because it was always special because it wasn't every day. It was like, okay, who's in town? Okay, I'm going to go and see if I can talk to somebody. And, and, and it would be somebody on the, on the opposing team because that was, that was my beat. was like I was in the visiting clubhouse as much as I was in the Blue Jays clubhouse. So every single time was special and I loved every single second of it. But the other thing was that it, it's awesome for you to hear from you that you're hearing from people about a, an event, people who live wherever and they fly in and they spend the weekend in Toronto and they get a hotel. And to me, that's amazing because my, my experience is the complete opposite. Some of my best memories of going to Blue Jays games were when I first moved down to, to like the city and like moved in, lived, you know, at, I lived at college in Dovercourt and it would be like, what do you want to do tonight? I don't know. Hey, we should go to the Blue Jays game and just wander down and buy tickets and have a great time. And then, and then, and then because it's a baseball game and you're in your twenties, it's like, Oh, it's like 10 o'clock. So the night is just beginning and you go out and you do whatever. Sometimes you go to sneaky D's for nachos. Sometimes you go wherever else and you just have a great time. I'll never forget. It was, I think it was my birthday and I went and I watched my bunch of couple friends came. We went, we wandered down. We watched Aaron Hill had a walk-off home run against the Rays. And then I went and watched, went to a Cro-Mags show after Cro-Mags, New York City, hardcore legends. They were playing at Queen and Bathurst. So I like wandered from the, from the dome up and, and went to this show. And it was just like, those nights are the ones that I miss the most, mostly because I'm, I'm old and washed up. And like the ability to like do more than one thing in (laughs) one day is impossible. You have to like get it in the schedule and like get everything accounted for. And then you go and you do it and you're old and washed up and you're all excited. And then it's like 10 o'clock and you're like, what the fuck? I'm, this is too much. I'm overstimulated. But I miss those. So I miss that. I miss the, the days when you would not expect to go. And then the next thing you know, you see something awesome. You see an Aaron Hill walk-off home run. Or you are yelling inane shit at Alfonso Soriano. Or the time that I almost got arrested and thrown out of the stadium by Raul uh, Monesi. Because I decided I needed to let him know that he was having a bad season. And he got real mad. But that's another story that I've probably that i definitely told before, but not on, not on this show. But so I think that's a great, a great way to end it is to everyone who's listening, go to Caitlin's Twitter page or use the email address that she already provided. Yeah. Don't spam. I'll pin it now. Oh, by the way, did you get a bunch of LinkedIn requests last week? Um, I didn't check. I got too many, too many <laughs> people who heard us talking about LinkedIn and were like, oh yeah, fuck this guy. Anyway, so go to Caitlin's account, go to Caitlin on Twitter, Caitlin M, no L McGrath, right? No, C. C. Well, Caitlin only, C. McGrath. Caitlin. I, was, I, took the, I took like the Wheel of Fortune rules, like the R- <laughs> R- RST. I took them all off the board. Caitlin C. McGrath. Yeah. Well, you'll never know my middle name. On Twitter. You can guess. You'll never guess. No? I don't think so. Constance? No. Shit. All right. Uh, go to Caitlin's pinned tweet. Because mm-hmm. from the time that we've said this to the time that you hear this, she will have pinned this tweet. And give her your Roger Center memories. If they involve the Cro-Mags, all the better. 
if they involve, you know, human feelings, even better than that. Because there's none of that when you're talking about the Chromax. So look for that story in the coming days. Enjoy. What, where are the Blue Jays off to now? Don't they have another series against the bloody Yankees or something like that? They are in, continue to be in Boston on Monday. Mm. And then they go back to Buffalo and play the Yankees in Buffalo, which will probably be a Yankees home series. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and then they invite the Orioles to town. The Yankees are uh, a miserable mess right now. Maybe the Yankees will have a new manager by the time they show up in Buffalo. But enjoy that. Enjoy watching an exciting team that is just a couple tweaks away from really being a force in the American League. Her name is Caitlin McGrath. My name is Drew Fairservice. We will talk to you next time. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.